All right, what's up? If you're older than 30 or younger than 35 years old, you don't recognize that music probably for that bumper. There was a show on TV, used to be on, called The Newlywed Game, hosted by a dude named Bob, uh, was it Eubanks, yeah. And, um, and this leads into what, what I want to open with this morning. If we have great stuff for children in the back, back here, um, and it's for birth all the way through fifth grade, and, uh, and, and they, they go back there, and, and they've got stuff that's designed to help them learn. Um, we're going to be talking about marriage for the next four weeks. And on the newlywed game, I'm going to just use this term right now because I know there's still some kids in there that, that y'all, y'all keep bringing in. They would talk about making whoopee. Do you remember that? During this mar- Listen, I, I talk about pretty much what I want to anyway, but during this marriage series, I'm going to, I'm going to be breaking it down about making whoopee, all right? We're going to talk about that, and so unless you're ready to answer some questions to your seven-year-old that you're not ready for them to talk about yet, I suggest you take them back, you register them, it's great, they'll have a great time, they even get like prizes and stuff back there, they won't have to listen to me, run my mouth, all that kind of stuff, so I just want to let you know that we're going to talk about, look, we've got people leaving right now, this is awesome. So, uh, so take those kids, and, and, uh, and especially, and if you're thinking, well, they can handle it, let me, I'm just going to warn you, the last Sunday of this month, the, the title of that message, well, I'll wait till these kids get out, it's, uh, it's called, Let's Talk About Making Whoopee. Uh, let's talk about the S word, right? So that's what we're going we're gonna to jump into that. All right. Hey, uh, really excited that you're here today. We're, we are starting a new series of messages about marriage, and, and I want to, I do want to begin, that was kind of a warning. Now, I want to begin with some disclaimers before we start as we, as we jump into to this uh, series. When, when, you, when you tell people that you're doing a message, uh, a series about marriage, I found out over the years that there are certain misconceptions that people have about that. Uh, one is, is people think um, that that's for folks who are about to get a divorce. And I want to tell you that if you are about to get a divorce, I hope that what we talk about helps you. I'm going to talk about that later in the message, and, and you need more help than what we're going to give here. But this is for everybody. Uh, this is for folks who are married, and you've got a fantastic marriage. It can always be better. It's for folks who, who are not yet married but would like to be married one day. You can go ahead and start learning. It's for folks who were married once and it didn't go well and you're an in-between. Maybe you want to get married again, or maybe you think marriage was the worst thing ever. Uh, this is for you. It's for everybody. And so, uh, so I just want you to know that, that I don't want you to walk in here any week and think, Whew, this is really good for those people that have terrible marriages, but we got our stuff together. This is for everybody. The second, the second disclaimer, the misconception I think that, that we have, and, and I want to talk to my brothers out there, men. Um, I understand that sometimes you get worried when we start talking about marriage. Because what you're afraid that I'm going to do is, you're afraid that I'm going to tell you that everything that's wrong in the marriage is your fault. And if you would put the toilet lid down, and if you would quit being such a slob, and if you would just be more feminine, then everything would work out. The last thing I want is a church full of feminine men. All right? And, and we're going to talk next week. The next two weeks, next week I'm going to be talking to husbands. The week after that I'm going to be talking to wives. And I'll, I'll talk about this more in depth next week. But this is, this is a joint effort. This is not, it's not all the man's fault, ladies. Sorry to let you, let you down on that, all right? Third misconception I think people have is when we start doing a, a series on marriage, people will look at me and they will think either one of two things. They will think that 
I have the perfect marriage or I think I have the perfect marriage. So you're out there and you're either thinking, oh, I, I just, our marriage could never be as good as Cliff and Sherry's. They never argue and it's just so wonderful. Or you're out there thinking, who does he think he is? I know his marriage stinks just like mine does. Listen, I want you to understand something. We do not have the perfect marriage. We're just like you. We're working towards having the absolute best marriage that we can. And so we're all in this thing together. So, so let's talk about marriage for the next four weeks. I'm glad that you're here. And if, and if, if you've got friends that, that, uh, that you want to invite to come back with you next week, it's not like if they miss this week, they can't jump in. Invite them to be here. I, I want them to be here for, for every week that they can be. Uh, there was a movie several years ago. Um, uh, and, and before I, I talk about this movie, I always get a little nervous when I use a movie as a recommendation because some of you will think I'm recommending this movie to you. I'm not recommending this movie. It's rated R. You might be a, a person that never watches rated R movies. That's cool. Um, I'm just telling you an example from the movie. You do your own research. Go on Google and look at the MPAA rating and stuff and decide if you want to watch it or not. But there's a great, there was a, a great scene from a movie called Juno. And Juno is a movie about a teenage girl who is pregnant. And, and in the movie, she, she decides to, she's going to keep the baby and she's going to put the baby up for adoption. And so it goes through the process of her um, just, just uh, meeting the, the folks who are going to adopt her baby and, and going through all of that. And, and in, in the marriage, you, in, in the movie, you find out that she doesn't have a lot of good examples around her for marriage. She is living with her dad and her stepmother, and so her parents have been divorced, and her, her dad's gotten remarried, and her mom and her stepmom have some friction, as, as that happens sometimes. And then the, the couple who is in the process of adopting her unborn child, as before the child is born, they let her know that they're going to get a divorce. And so she is devastated by this news, and there's a great scene where she comes home, and she sits down with her father, and it's just a very touching scene as a conversation between a teenage girl and her dad, and, and she's talking to him about marriage, and she's upset about this, and she, she says this to him. She says, I wonder sometimes if people ever stay together for good. I just need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. And he gives her some good advice in there. And I think that, that for us, that I think we're in the kind of the same situation that Juno is in in that movie. Maybe you've been in, around and, and, and you have, uh, it seems like all around you there are marriages that are failing or, or have failed. And maybe you've been through that. And, and I think that we all sometimes have that feeling of, can it really ever work out? Can, can two people really stay together? for the rest of their lives and, and be happy with that and, and enjoy life together. And, and, and I think it's something that we really want to believe in. And the reason I believe that is because I know that I've seen some stats that say that the number of marriages are declining and that kind of a thing, but, but still there are literally thousands and thousands of people that get married every year. In spite of all the divorces, in spite of everything going on, we still want to believe that marriage can work. And part of the struggle with marriage these days, and I think every it's been like this for all time, but especially these days, is it's never been easier to fall in love than it is right now in, in the way we, things are in our world. It, it, you can, through, through the power of the internet, you can find someone who, who matches you up and you can fall in love with that person. You can find someone that 
that you knew a long time ago. And oh my goodness, he's the guy that took me to the prom. And he's divorced and I'm divorced. And I haven't seen him in years, but it's so wonderful. I've got to get... And you think you're in love with him, but you're in love with the memory of one night at the prom all those years ago. And so it's never been easier to fall in love, but it's never been harder to stay in love. And there's a, a, a great quote by uh, one of an American philosopher named Evil Knievel. And if you're younger than the age of 40, go home and Google Evil Knievel and prepare to have your mind blown. He was one of the greatest human beings that ever lived. And uh, Evil Knievel said this, and he wasn't talking about marriage, but I think it applies to marriage. Evil Knievel said, anyone can jump a motorcycle. The problems start when you try to land it. And I think, that's, I think that's the way marriage is. Just about anybody can get married. Where it gets difficult is staying married. Anybody can fall in love. Where the difficulty comes is staying in love. And so I want, I want to talk today to you about the fact that I believe that it is possible for two people to, to get married, and not only to, to get married, but to stay married and to stay happily married. And, and I, I, think that it, I think that it can happen. And, and one, of the, one of the things that, that is hard for, for a lot of you in here and, and a lot of us is that we, we have had few good examples of that in our lives. And so one of the things that happens is, is that we tend to mimic what we've grown up under. And if you came out of a, of a divorced home, then it, it's hard for you to, to you, you haven't had a good example. Maybe your parents weren't divorced but they have been living unhappily ever after for years and years and years. And sometimes you look at them and you think, y'all are really just staying together just to spite each other, aren't you? The only reason you're with him is just to make him mad. Is that, is that what's going on here, mom? And some of you might, might have grown up in that. And so we've had, we've, a lot of times we're surrounded by bad examples of marriage. And, and so it, it can be hard when you try to, to, to make your marriage what it, what it needs to be. Well, I want you to know that you can stay together, and I want to talk to you today about something that, that might seem like a secret ingredient, but I think it's kind of obvious when we think about it, so, so I'm calling it a not-so-secret ingredient. And, and I think the not-so-secret ingredient to having a good marriage is friendship. It's friendship. Now, really, marriage at its most basic level is a friendship. And the best marriages that I know, they really began as friendships. And, and, and the thing about friendship and, and talking about that in marriage is it's, it's not talked about a lot in marriage. And, and you can know a lot of Bible verses about marriage. You can have read a lot of books about marriage. You could have gone to a bunch of marriage retreats and all that kind of stuff and still not be a good friend to your spouse. But I think that God created marriage as a friendship. In fact, when, when you look at the book of Genesis and, and you look back at the, the, where G, uh, God created the world in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, and, and there's, a, there's a, a theme in Genesis chapter 1 where God creates things, and after he creates them, he says they're good. And so it says God created the heavens and the earth, and he looked at all that he had done, and it was good. And then he created the plants and the trees, and he looked at all that he had done, and it was good. And everything was good. It says at the end of every day that everything was good. And then he creates man, and when he gets done creating man, he says that man was 
very good. Isn't that right, guys? Very good. That's who we are. And so God created man. He said, this is very good. This is, this is better than everything else I've created. The, the, the fact that I made man is better than the fact that I made mountains and oceans and beautiful birds and, and trees and all that. Man is the greatest creation. And then you get to Genesis chapter 2. And everything has been good. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The very first thing in all creation that God looked at and said, this is not good, was the fact that you had Adam and no Eve. The fact that you had Adam and and he couldn't have a relationship with one of the animals or one of the plants. God said, I need to make a helper especially suitable for Adam. And so, of course, we know that, that he made Eve. So, so the very first marriage and the basis of all marriage that God created is it's based on a very deep and abiding friendship. Adam and Eve were made for each other. Man and woman were made for each other. And there's a, there's a great verse in the book of Song of Solomon. And, and by the way, young guys in here who aren't married, uh, you can get some great pickup lines from Song of Solomon. Like there's one in there where the guy tells the girl, he says, your teeth are like a flock of sheep. <laughs> Try that one next time, you know, just walk across the room. I couldn't help noticing your teeth. They're like a flock of sheep. And just see how that goes for you. But in, in Song of Solomon, this is a love letter between a man and a woman. And, and in Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, this is what the woman says. She says, this is my beloved, this is my friend. And so marriage is is designed to be a friendship. And really our lives are a series of friendships. Our our first friendship should be with Jesus. Our our second most important friendship should be with our spouse. And then third is everybody else. Our kids and and everyone else is is the third friendship. But one of the problems is, is that we don't usually think of our spouse as a friend. And in fact, You don't have to raise your hand and testify here, but I think all of us could testify that when we look at the way we treat our spouse over the years, guys, look at the way you've treated your wife over the years. Ladies, look at the way you've treated your husband over the years. We can be more selfish with them than anybody else. We will do things and treat them in ways that we would never treat another human being. And so we don't even sometimes think about them as a friend. We, we treat them in ways we would never treat one of our other friends. And I think one of, the, one of the reasons why we don't think about marriage as a friendship sometimes is we've bought into a couple of lies. There's a couple of lies out there that, that I think we've bought into. And here's the first one. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. The first one is this. Lie number one, we fall into love and therefore we can fall out of love. That's the first lie that we believe. We fell into love, and so we think that we can also fall out of love. See, that, that, is, that is basing your entire marriage on your feelings, which is extremely dangerous because feelings come and feelings go. And so when you base your whole marriage on your feelings, then there's kind of this unspoken agenda, which is this, I don't feel like doing that, so I don't have to do it. And so then it can become, I don't feel like listening to your problems. I don't feel like having sex with you tonight. I don't feel like going on a date with you. I don't feel like us spending time alone together. I don't feel like helping you raise the children or or helping you make a decision. 
And then it can become all about our feelings. And, and this is really the funny thing about that idea of, of basing everything on our feelings and saying that we shouldn't have to do something because we don't feel like it. Marriage is the only place that we try this out. Marriage is the only place that we think that's acceptable. Go into work tomorrow morning and, and just walk up to your boss and say, hey, listen, I really don't feel like working past 10 o'clock today, so I'm going to be out of here after that. And I, I, Tuesdays are bad for me. I don't feel like coming in then either. See what happens. Or I got an even better one. April 15th is coming up right around the corner. Just send a letter to the IRS and say, I just don't feel like paying my taxes this year. I'll get you all next year. But this year, I'm not paying. Now, why don't we do that? The reason we don't do that is because there are consequences. If you, don't, if you do that to your boss, you get fired. If you do that to the IRS, you're going to get put in jail eventually. And so that's why we don't do it. Well, I want to let you know something, and, and I know that, that we do know it, but sometimes we don't live like it. That when we live based on our feelings in our marriage, there's consequences there as well. If we begin to say, well, I, don't, I just don't feel like doing this. I just don't feel like I love her anymore. I just don't feel like I want to be around him anymore. Then there are terrible consequences about that. And the thing is, is that we've, we've bought into this stupid idea that they tell us in movies and songs and everything else. And that is to follow your heart. Just follow your heart. I want to tell you, that's an unbiblical idea. You don't find anywhere in the Bible where it says, follow your heart. In fact, let me tell you what it does say. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You don't follow your heart, you guard your heart because your heart can be easily deceived. And so you guard it and you make sure that what you're putting in to yourself spiritually are truths from the Bible. And that that's what you're living your life based on. And that's never more important anywhere in your life than it is in your marriage. Don't follow your heart. You guard your heart. Now, the second lie. Here's the second lie that we buy into. Your spouse exists to make you happy. Your spouse exists to make you happy. That is a terrible basis for a friendship. That's terrible pressure to put on somebody else. It's up to you. I'm a pretty ornery and nasty-tempered guy, but you've got to make me happy. Or I'm a lady that, you know, nothing ever satisfies me, and I'm expecting you. I'm marrying you, and now you're my Prince Charming, and I'm expecting you to make me happy. What kind of pressure is that to live under? It's a terrible basis for a friendship. And so I've even heard of people, and, and I've had even, uh, you know, people have talked to me about that they, they went through a marriage and they got a divorce, and they used this terminology. They said, I just really felt like God wanted me to be happy. God wants me to be happy, and I'm just not going to be happy with Him. Just not going to be happy with her. I want to bust your bubble and just make you mad the first Sunday. God doesn't want you to be happy as much as God wants you to be holy. That's what God wants for you, is He wants you to be holy. And marriage is about making us holy, not happy. Now here's the, the side note of that, which is good, is that holy people are happy people. So if you allow God to make you holy, happiness is going to follow that. And that's what your marriage should do. Your marriage should be helping you to become 
holy. That's what the best friendships you have do for you. The absolute best friendships you have are friendships that help you to be a better follower of Jesus, whether it's your spouse or somebody else. If you've got a friend and they're challenging you by the way they live, by the way they talk, by the things they say to you to be a better follower of Jesus, you better hold on to that friendship because that's a special one. And when it comes to your marriage, that's what your marriage is supposed to be about. God has designed marriage to help us to become holy people. And so if your marriage helps you become a better follower of Jesus, then you're on the right track. There's a lot of good things that I can tell you about my wife. Sherry and I have been married in June, will be 22 years. And over 22 years, we've experienced all kind of stuff. And there's a lot of great things I can tell you about her, a lot of ways that I can brag on, on, uh, about her to you. But the best thing I can tell you about my wife is that she helps me to be a better follower of Jesus. By the way she lives, by the way she encourages me, by the way she prays for me. And because of her, I'm a stronger Christian today than I was 22 years ago when we got married. Because she is helping me to become holy. She's helping me to become the man that God wants me to be. So when we talk about marriage and we talk about how to have a better one, start by working on your friendship. See, when we think about working on marriage, it can be overwhelming because there's so much to think about. It's like, okay, you got to have a better marriage. And th- these are all the things, okay, we gotta, we got to figure out you know, communication. we got to figure out parenting and budgeting. And we got to figure out all these weird ways we act because we inherited that stuff from our parents and they were all messed up. Where do we start with all this? Start with friendship. If you start with working on the friendship, a lot of this other stuff will work itself out. A lot of that stuff is a result of the fact that, that you have a, a marriage that's not based on friendship to begin with. Now, I, w- I want to talk to you just a second. There, there are three kinds of marriages that, that, uh, that you see out there. And, and I want you just to think about your marriage and where you are. And maybe, maybe you can you know, look at your, if you're a husband or wife in here, you can look at them and immediately know where you are, maybe you go home and talk to them later and figure it out. The first one is, is back-to-back, is a back-to-back marriage. This is where people have actually turned their backs on each other and your adversaries. You're no longer friends, you're actually enemies, and the next step for you is divorce court. And I want to talk to you real quickly, if you're in here or if you know someone who's in that situation, if that's the situation you're in, this marriage series of sermons is not going to help you that much and, and, and uh, we've got a book that we're going to be selling to you next week that some of these messages are based on. Just reading that book is not going to help you that much. You need professional help. You need to go to a, find a Christian professional counselor, licensed counselor, and you need to begin to, go, begin to go to them and get help for your marriage. Now, let me just say this real quick. When I talk to people about marriage counseling, this is the first thing they say. That's so expensive, we just can't afford it. Do you realize that they charge like $120 an hour? If you went to the doctor tomorrow and he said, you are dying of cancer, and the only chance that you have to survive cancer is you've got to do these treatments, and they're going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars, but if you do these treatments, there's a really good chance you're going to live for 20 more years. But if you don't do them, you're going to be dead in six months. There's not a one of you in here that would say, hey, doc, man, it's just way too expensive. I just can't afford it. You would, you'd come up with the money. You'd triple mortgage the house. You would do whatever it takes. I'm going to tell you something. If you're in a back-to-back relationship with your spouse, your marriage is dying of cancer. 
And you better be able to do whatever it takes. If it's paying a counselor $120 an hour, come up with the money, figure it out, sell the car, quit going to Starbucks, do what it takes to get that thing back on track. And I'm saying that not to fuss at you, but to say I want to see your marriage not only survive, but thrive. And it's not going to happen by listening to me talk up here. And it's not going to happen by coming to my office this week and talking to me about it. Because I'm not a professional counselor. I'm going to look at you and say, both of y'all need to quit acting stupid. That's, that will be my advice to you right there. Read the Bible and quit being stupid. And now, a real counselor will go way beyond and help you figure out why you're acting stupid. Alright, second kind of marriage. First one is back to back. Second kind of marriage is shoulder to shoulder. Now, shoulder-to-shoulder marriage is, is where, where you, as the husband and wife, you're, you're doing things together, you're getting things accomplished. Uh, it, you're, you're, and the, the, listen, the shoulder-to-shoulder marriage is where a lot of us who have been married a while, we kind of settle into, especially once you have kids. But because it becomes about getting the to-do list done, getting all these kids taken care of, all the stuff that they need to do, but you don't really have a lot of time for each other. Now, a shoulder-to-shoulder marriage can survive for a long time, but, but it won't last forever because eventually what's going to happen is the kids are going to be gone and there's going to just be the two of you and we haven't really spent time getting to know each other or talking or dealing with who the other person is for years and years and now we're all by ourselves and now it's time to go from shoulder-to-shoulder to face-to-face and we don't know how to do that. So a shoulder-to-shoulder marriage is, is where probably a lot of us in this room are, and we need to be sure that we, we don't stay shoulder-to-shoulder, because the third type of relationship that we need to be aiming for is face-to-face. A face-to-face relationship is where, where there's communication, where you're dealing with each other through the good and the bad, where, where you, you deal with the whole part of who the other person is and, and what that means for you. It's, it's a growing relationship. It's a face-to-face relationship. Now, part of the struggle with, with moving from, from one to the other is that as men, we, the way we do friendships outside of our marriage is we do shoulder-to-shoulder. That's what we do as men. We, we go do things together. We, we go on mission trips. We build things. We play sports. We... we fish, we hunt, we do, that's what we do. And we do things. And if there's ever a man that comes up to another man and says, hey, I really think we need to spend some time together just getting in touch with our feelings and about who each other are and how you feel about me and how, there's an unwritten rule that all men have is that we have permission to punch the other one in the face. That, don't know if y'all know that or not. And so, so it's hard for us sometimes to get to face. And now ladies, they do face to face. That's the way ladies build friendships. It's face to face. They sit down and they just talk and they cry and they, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, so as you're thinking about building your friendship with your spouse, ladies, there needs to be times when you do shoulder to shoulder with your husband. There needs to be times where you're just with him. And you might think, well, we're we're not even really talking. We're not even spending time. He just wants you to be there with him. And then guys, there needs to be times where we are doing the face to face. To where we're talking about the feelings and we're letting her talk about her feelings and we're also sharing ours. And so as we, as we move into this thing of building the friendship, we just need to understand that as men and women, we're different. We do things differently and, and we, need to, we need to keep that in mind. See, when it comes to, if you really want to improve your marriage, you want to work on this friendship, it's got to be intentional. Both of you have got to be involved in it. If it's going to work right, both the man and the woman have to say, it's important that that I build this friendship with you. 
And the reason why is because it's hard to stay married. See, you didn't accidentally get married, and you can't expect to accidentally stay married. There's not a one of you in here where just one day you realize, oh my gosh, I'm married. How, how did I, what happened here? How did I get married? Just the other day we were just talking and now we're married. If that happened to you, we can write a country song about it and make a bunch of money. But none of that didn't happen to any of you. You didn't accidentally get married, did you? You planned it out. You guys, you found her, you spotted her across the room and said, man, I gotta get, I gotta get me some of that. And so you started talking to her. Your teeth looked like a flock of sheep and from there it was on. And, and then you bought her a ring and she was playing, then she took over and just started planning this extravaganza. And there was China to be picked out and invitations to be sent and people to be gathered together and music to be played and all this stuff. And then you had a honeymoon that you had planned out and we're going to fly here and we're going to go to this resort and it's going to be amazing and we're going to do all this stuff. It didn't happen by accident, did it? It took planning. And if you want to stay married, you've got to put even more planning into staying married than you did into getting married. But unfortunately, what we tend to do is we put all the planning into getting married and then it's just like, now we're good. Now we can just cruise, put it on cruise control and head to the beach. But you didn't accidentally get married and so you can't expect to accidentally stay married. Now, I want to give you some homework in just a minute to do before next week. Before I do that, you might be sitting here thinking, and this might be very real for you, you might be sitting here thinking, Cliff, my husband, my wife, they're just not friendly. They don't want to be a friend to me. Here's my, here's my uh, encouragement for you in that area. You go first. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but you go first. If they're not friendly, if they're not, if they're not treating you the way they should treat you, you don't respond to them the way they've been treating you. You go first and you treat them the way that you want to be treated. You know the golden rule, that, that good thing Jesus said about do unto others what you would have them do to you, treat people the way you want to be treated, start that experiment right there in your home. You go first. You be the friendly one. And then work from there. Now I want to give you some homework. And I want you to write this down. Pull out your iPhone, type it in there, write it on the the worship guide we gave you, whatever you need to do. Before next Sunday, I want you to sit down with your husband or your wife, and I want you to ask them this question. It's just one question, very easy. Ask them, how good of a friend have I been? We've been married six weeks, six months, six years, 16 years, 60 years. How good of a friend have I been? Now see, that's not the question that we normally ask in marriage. Normally we ask other questions, we want to talk about other things, but ask, start with that. How good of a friend have I been? And then begin to work from there. And if you're the one in the marriage that's easily offended, I don't know if all marriages are like that, but if, if, if you are, maybe you're the one that's easily, maybe you just get easily offended at everything. If you're the one that's easily offended, Psych yourself up, drink a lot of Mountain Dew beforehand, do, I don't, do whatever it takes to where when they start giving you answers, you don't respond with, well, that's not true. What's the matter with you? You know, woman, you're crazy. You know, don't, don't, don't do that. Be ready to hear whatever, whatever is coming at you 
and be ready to respond with kindness back. Because if you're going to ask this question, if we really want to get down to the nitty-gritty of marriage is based on friendship, we might have to walk through some stuff that's a little bit uncomfortable. So just ask them, how good of a friend have I been? I'm going to close this in prayer. And before I do, I want you to, uh, want you to understand that um, marriage and business and school and everything else in life works better when we are doing it under the power of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, um, what we've talked about is good advice that might work out for a while, but what you really need in your marriage is you need to be a friend with Jesus first. And so if, we're, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've never dealt with the fact that you do have sin in your life and something needs to be done, I want to I wanna encourage you to, to research that, to talk to me, and I want to encourage you just to pray a prayer. And all you have to do is you have to say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you died on the cross and I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to forgive me of my sin. It's that simple. And what the scripture tells us in, in 1 John 1, 9 is it says that, that God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and he will clean us up of all our unrighteousness. And so if you ask him to, he'll do it. And then from there, you can go on and you can grow a good marriage. You can grow a good business. You can grow a good relationship with your kids. You can grow good friendships. But it all starts with that first relationship with Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go home and be excited this week. Ask, have that conversation with your husband or your wife this week. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that the, the Bible, which was written a long time ago, talks about marriage. Thank you that you created marriage, that it's your idea, that you put Adam together with Eve and you made man specifically for woman and made woman specifically for man. And it can be a struggle. We're very different creatures. Men and women are very different and that can be difficult. So I pray that you would help us not only today, but over the next four weeks as we talk about marriage, that we would be open to what you are trying to teach us. Help us to be a better friend to our spouse. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.